Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. All right, you guys can be seated. Hope you guys are doing well today. It's good to see you. I'm glad you guys are all here. And if you're joining us from home, thank you guys so much for uh, joining us today. I'm so glad you guys are taking the time out of your day to join us uh, at home. We do stream on Facebook and YouTube, and so you guys can join us in those capacities. If you're out of town or if you're not feeling well, uh, but if you're in town, come hang out with us. We love you guys being here. And if you're in town, come hang out with us if you're watching online. So, so thankful you guys are here today. Listen, we are going through a series uh, called 100% Unashamed. And so the series is through the book of Romans. And this is our fifth week. And we're ending chapter one today. Woo! All right. All right. So... Either I'll die or Jesus will come back and we we'll, should be done with the book by then. All right. So we'll see. We, we'll see what we'll see what happens. So um, listen, I do want to uh, highlight our verse Romans 1, 16 and 17. This is kind of our um, this is our theme verse for the whole thing. It says, for I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes the Jew first and also the Gentile. And then it goes in this. It says, this good news, the good news about Christ, tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. And so that is the, <clears throat> that is the theme of this, um, this series. We are 100% unashamed. What am I saying when I say that? Here's what I'm saying. I'm saying that people today would want you to be ashamed of what the Bible says, because the Bible sometimes, all the time, is contrary to what society says. And what we want to do is, is we want to get, listen, we need to get back to understanding that the Bible is the ultimate authority on truth, and is the ultimate authority on life. And so what we've been told is we've been told that we need to do feel-good messages that, that make everyone feel good, and everybody sing Kumbaya, and then we go out to lunch. And so I, I, don't, I don't have a problem with a good message, and I don't have a problem with kumbaya, um, you know, and I definitely don't have a problem with going out to lunch, but what I, what I do, why is that funny? I don't get the, why, why is that funny? Why is that funny? I don't get it. Anyway, uh, so, so here's the, here's the thing though. Um, we have to be grounded, grounded in our faith. And in order to be grounded in our faith, we have to understand what the word of God says. And so that's why we're going through the book of Romans. Paul comes out and he says this, he says, listen, you are to be 100% unashamed of this good news. 100% unashamed of this message. 100%. And so I want to give a really quick, really, really quick background. Um, and if you've been here every week, you know I do this, try to do this every week. But what we're, what we're, what we're getting written to is, is um, Paul is writing to the church in Rome. And this church in Rome has been through a little bit of conflict. I, actually, they're kind of divided. And the reason they're divided is, is because... The emperor, uh, the emperor around around AD 48 expelled all the Jewish people from Rome because uh, they couldn't get along and they were they were getting on everybody's nerves, to be quite honest with you. And, and that's the that's my version, not really the, the actual historical version, but that's kind of the, the reality. And they were expelled. And so when they were expelled, they were expelled, not just it wasn't just to, to the Jewish people. Uh, that were following uh, the Jewish uh, tradition. It was also the Jewish Christians, okay, Messianic Jews. It was 
those that had accepted Christ. And so when they left, the church itself was left of just Gentiles, just people like me and you. And, and so when they came back, some, it was probably between six and eight years, they came back and they found all kinds of different practices. And so what Paul is doing is he's trying to help the conflict and help under, everybody understand that the gospel is for all and it's one gospel. It's not ten gospels. It's not, well, you do this and you do this and everything's going to be fine. No, it's for one one people, one purpose. And it's always been for one people, one purpose. It's God's people and it's for one purpose. And so that's kind of what we're looking at. We talked about God's righteousness. We also talked about God's wrath. We talked about knowing God through his natural revelation. That was two weeks ago. If you've missed any of these messages, you can go online on YouTube or on Facebook and you can grab them. We also have a podcast. You just subscribe to the podcast and it'll hit your, it'll hit your podcast. It should be on Monday. And so you can listen to it uh, as you're trying to go to sleep and, and you know the medicine's not working. And so you can start listening to me and you should be done in five minutes. Anyway... I thought that was funny. Uh, apparently it's true because if you don't laugh, it's actually true. <laughs> so anyway, so and then last week we actually tackled the tough subject of homosexuality. So if you missed any of those things, you can go back. You can listen to those things. But what I want to do is today is I want to continue to see what happens. Because what, ha- what we saw last week is that God had come to the point with these people that he's speaking of. And he's speaking to you and me. He had come to the point where they were, they were doing things that they ought not do. And he came to the point where he was like, fine, then you do you. Okay? I, I, what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to take the restraint off. Now, I want to tell you a story. This may shock some of you guys. All right? I said that a lot last week. I got in the car and Wendy said, you sure said that a lot last week. You sure said, you sure. That, this will shock you. This may actually shock you because um, one of my jobs, one of my jobs when I was in my 20s is I worked in a mental health facility. Okay, I worked in a mental health facility. I did not live in a mental health facility. I worked in a mental health facility. And so here's what would occur. And, and, you know, I was a big dude. And so I think that's why they hired me, uh, because we would have these people and they would get out of control. Okay. Uh, they would get totally out of control. And so I had to be the one that would go in and physically restrain them. Okay. I have probably restrained over a thousand people. How's that for a preacher? Yeah. So listen, but it was a sad situation because what they would do is, is they would literally get out of their minds and I would go in and I would have to physically restrain them and hold them down until they came about themselves and calmed down. I, it, was, it was the restraint that we had to do. And this happened over and over and over again. Um, and people would just lose their minds. I remember one time, though, there was a situation where we had a physical restraint. And they thought the guy was like, I don't know if they thought he was dying, but he wasn't doing well. I'll just leave it at that. And so the last thing I wanted to do in my 20s is kill someone. And so I decided, hey, we need to let this guy up. And so we did let this guy up. Um, And when we took the restraint off of him, do you know what came next? He took a chair and threw it through a window at me. I was on the other side of the window. Now, the good thing is, is whoever developed the the building knew that there's a possibility that at some point in the history of the building, that someone may lose their mind and throw a chair at a window at a 20-something-year-old dude. 
So it just bounced off. And so what we had to do is, is we had to then go in and re-restrain him. That was not a fun day at work. It wasn't. It wasn't. As a matter of fact, one of the saddest things that I had to do, that was the most sad part of my job, is I had to go in and help people physically because it was an embarrassment to them. It was a, a, a grieving for them. That's what it was. Now, God doesn't have to physically restrain us. He doesn't. He doesn't have to physically hold us down. But what he does is he brings to our mind the things and he, he, he doesn't just let us go. He keeps us down to a level where we literally won't hurt ourselves. But in this case, he had had enough. And he let them go. I told you a couple of weeks ago that God, God's love never ends, but his patience does. His patience does. And he had had enough. And so what he did in these verses we're going to see is he gave them over. He gave them over. And so let's look at Romans chapter 1, verses 28 through 32. Romans chapter 1, verses 28 through 32. Lynn, can you put up there the little QR code? Uh, and I'm going to, Paul, I'm not moving. I'm standing right here. Uh, if you have your phone and you want these notes, all you have to do is point your phone at the screen right now and it'll bring it up on a, uh, um, it'll bring it up on your phone. Okay. It'll go right to the, the, to the location where these notes are. You can go through these notes. You can keep them for later. Just point your, point it at the screen. If I need to get out of the way, I will usually when I do this. Okay, good. And if you guys want to do that, you can point at the QR code and it'll take you right to these notes. Okay. All right, good. I assume everyone's done that now. Let's go ahead and let's look at Romans chapter 1, verses 28 and following. It says this, since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, those people that were disobedient, those people that were going astray, since they thought it was foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them. There he goes. He's taken that restraint off to their foolish thinking and let them do things they never, that never should be done. And then he goes on this big, long list. He says their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, Envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning. And this is interesting to all you kids here. You think that how you treat your mom and dad is important to God? They are literally backstabbers, quarrelers, murderers, hate, envy, greed. And they disobey their parents. It's very important to God. They refuse to understand. They break their promises. They're heartless. They have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die. Yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them as well. What is the Bible trying to teach us today with these texts? What is the Bible trying to show us? What exactly happens? What we're going to look at today is what exactly happens when God removes his restraint because of our refusal, our refusal to follow his plan for our lives. Well, the first one is this, is when we decide that we're going to go our own way and God removes that restraint, our minds become foolish and confused. Now, as we go through these things today, you're going to know and you're going to see that there's a lot of things that you see on social media, in society, on TV, you're, uh, maybe at your, at your workplace, you're going to see some things that you recognize through what we're going to talk about. 
I was having a conversation with someone the other day and they said, you know, what's amazing to me is what's amazing is, is that I've been reading this one book in the Old Testament and he was, it was a prophet and he was dealing with the same things that we're dealing with today. The same things we're dealing with today. That's what he said. I said, that's sin, man. It never really changes, does it? It gets, it's, it, it's, it's crazy. If you turn on the TV at any point, you flip channels, you're going to hear and see some foolish things. So I was turning around the other day on the TV, and guess what I ran into? I have no idea why. And this was not, this is on a sports channel. This is, I don't know why. This is on a sports network. And I was flipping through, and you know what the people were discussing on the sports network? They were discussing why it was okay for men to wear dresses. That's what they were saying. There was a sports star that went to some big event and he had on a dress. No, I'm not talking about a kilt, all right? We're not talking about Braveheart here, all right? I'm talking about a full-on dress. And they were having a serious discussion. And the crazy thing is, is that because of the social pressure that they feel, every one of the people decided that it was totally fashionable And there should be no reason that this athlete shouldn't wear a dress. A dress. They've lost their minds. There is no bottom. When God takes the restraint off, we literally lose our minds. Now, the word, the word for losing their minds, it's it's an unsound mind. And I want to define what an unsound mind is. An unsound mind is when our brains do not function the way God intended for them to function. All right. Our, an unsound mind is when our brains do not function the way God intended for them to function, our minds aren't used as they were intended. I want you to hear that. God has an intention for one thing. The enemy comes in and he takes what God has intended for good and he tries to twist it to bad. And one of the things he does that with is our own minds. And so what we do is, is we develop an unsound mind. When God takes the restraints off, we actually develop an unsound mind. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, of love, and it says self-discipline. The word, the word used there is also a sound, in other translations it says a sound mind, a disciplined mind. So where did the word come from? Well, the word there for self-discipline, the word there for self, for sound mind is sophrenia, Okay. And here's what it means. It means a mind that has been delivered, rescued, revived, salvaged, and protected, and is now safe and secure. See, apart from Christ, you're going to have an unsound mind. And so the mind, your old self, has to be delivered. And a mind that's been delivered and rescued, one that's been delivered and rescued, is now safe and secure. And First, 2 Timothy 1.7, can we go back to that? 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear and being timid. Instead, he's given us power, love, and a sound mind. So here's the question that you have. 
what exactly then, how exactly can we make sure that we're operating with a sound mind? So the thing is, if the enemy is the one that creates us not to have a sound mind, if God takes his restraint off and the enemy flows in, what creates us not having a sound mind? And how can we make sure that we have a sound mind? Well, that, that's found in 2, Timothy, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Here's what 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says. It says, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. So we're human, but we don't wage war as humans do. And then go on to verse 4. It says, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds, and I want you to circle that in your Bible if you have that, the strongholds of human reasoning, and to destroy false arguments. And then verse 5 says this, we destroy, and here it is again, every proud obstacle. So you've got strongholds and every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We, this is also important. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. What exactly is he talking about there? And let's leave that up. Lynn, if you can go back to verse 4. Let's, let's leave that here because uh, I want to I focus on this a little bit. So what Paul is saying to the Corinthians here is he's saying this. He's saying we take every thought captive. And here's why we take every thought captive. Because we want to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning. So I want you to see that word stronghold. And then, Lynn, if you could go to verse 5. So that word stronghold. And right there it says every proud obstacle. And so here's what happens. You can actually know the truth, okay? And we know last week and the week before we said the truth will set you free. We know the truth. But when you have an unsound mind, those words, obstacle, strongholds, what it literally means is that in your mind you can set up a divider. And we all know people that have done this. A divider literally in your mind where the information that you know or used to know can no longer get to the other side. There literally is a divider. The word there literally means a divider, a partition is what it means. So that what you used to know can no longer get to what you need to know. Are you with me? And we all know people like this. We've seen people who have been active in, in church and in fellowship. We've seen people that have been followers of Jesus Christ and for some reason, one reason or another, they have a setback or, or they go off the deep end or they do something kind of crazy that looks like they have an unsound mind. And we think, and here's what we want to tell them. Listen, this is not how you used to be. You used to not be this way. You used to not be this way. Before, you were doing these things and you believed these things. And now, you've gone right the opposite. What's happened to them? What's happened to them is they had a desire to do their own thing. And what's happened is that God has removed the restraints. And when he did that, the Satan comes in and he sets up literally a divider that can only be knocked down whenever they begin to do what they've done in the past. And that is to take every thought captive and run it through the knowledge of Christ. To run it through what the scripture says. See, one of the biggest sins we can do is say this. Well, I know what the Bible says, but I don't feel that way. Well, here's the thing. Your feelings can lie to you. People always say, well, you need to follow your heart. Don't follow your heart. Your heart can lie to you. Following your heart has led you into some bad marriages and bad relationships and, and bad things, right? 
Following that instinct has led you to do that. And here's the thing I want to remind you. God is not trying to make you have a boring life. He wants you to have a blessed life. And he wants it to be on his plan because he was the creator of all this anyway. So who better knows the plan you need to follow but him? But when we have an unsound mind, there is a divider that comes in and it literally has to be torn down. Literally has to be torn down by the knowledge of God and by us once again submitting to and coming under the authority of what God has. But when God takes his restraint off, we literally lose our mind. When there is someone who has went and has bounces back and forth, James calls it this. James 1.8 says this. It says their loyalty is divided between God and the world. And here it is. And they are unstable in all they do. How true is that? Think about people, maybe in your own life, that you have experienced. It may be even you in the past. And you're trying to figure everything out. And literally, the scripture says, another text says, a double-minded person. It says their loyalty is divided. A double-minded person. On this side, you know the truth. And on this side, you want to do whatever you want to do. And you're double-minded. And double-minded people, James says, is unstable in all they do. And you and I both know people like that, don't we? We do. We do. God has taken off the restraint. What happens after that? Well, the next step is this, is when you decide that you're going to go your own way, you realize that sin has no bottom. Sin has no bottom. Just when we think that we hit rock bottom, something else lower arises because sin has no bottom. I've never met anyone, I've never met anyone that started out and saying, you know what? I think what I want to do today is I just want to lie to people. I think I'm going to do that. You know, you're brushing your teeth going, you know what? I think I'm going to call someone and gossip. That's what I'm going to do. That's exactly what I'm going to do. You know, I really, really want to have a great day, but I want to be rude to everybody. That's what I want to do. I just want to be rude. You know, no one does that. No one does that. So if you don't know this, my favorite TV show of all time is Dateline. Don't hate. You watch it too. Somebody's got to be watching it, y'all, because it's on. There's 9 million episodes, and I've seen them all twice. I love Dateline, okay? I love Dateline NBC. Keith Morrison is my spirit animal. I love Keith, you know? Keith Morrison on Dateline NBC. I love Keith, right? Here's the interesting thing about Dateline. Most of the time, here's what happens. The person that killed them started out with good intentions. They had a great marriage. They loved each other. By the way, I've always wondered this. Have you guys ever noticed when you watch Dateline that the person that got murdered is never a bad person? You know that can't be true, right? Right? They're like, oh, she was loved by everybody and she was the life of the party. You know some of them are like, they should say, no, actually, she was a piece of poo, and, you know, she treated everybody bad. I mean, you know what I'm saying? There, that can't be all true, right? I watch it anyway. I don't care. I go along with it. I'm like, gosh, this person was angelic, and this horrible person killed him. But I've noticed something about Dateline. This is what happens. So, so 
It's a process. And listen, I want you to hear this because it's kind of funny, but it's true too, because it's true for you and I. It's a process. They start out and they're in some loving relationship and then it goes and there begins to be problems. And then it goes and it goes and it goes and it goes. And finally you realize that it's gone all the way to the point where the person absolutely loses their minds. And by the way, it's always the husband. Just letting everybody know. Anyway, once in a blue moon, they'll throw a trick in, but it's always the husband or wife. I'm just letting y'all know. If it's the wife, she's poisoned them. It's if the husband, he shot her and buried her somewhere in the desert. All right, so anyway, so I know it's not funny, but it's true. If you watch Dateline, you know that's the truth. Anyway, but they get to the point where they, they, they end up going mad crazy. And if you'd have told them, starting way back three or four or five years, six, 10, 20 years ago, that he said, you've lost your mind. I would never do that. What is that? Let me tell you what that is. Sin has no bottom. It doesn't. It doesn't. Sin will take you further than you thought you ever could go. It will. It has no bottom. It's amazing because I know we don't often want to talk about this, but we saw this so clearly, you know, we, we witnessed this in our history books so clearly during World War II. Think about that for a second. Think about that. We, we saw this so clearly in World War II where a political group convinced probably good people to stand guard and to force human beings into gas chambers. What in the world happened from the time they were just a good family of five working at the factory to standing guard and forcing people in gas chambers? Let me tell you guys something. Sin has no bottom. It doesn't. It doesn't. It has no bottom. I want to teach you something real quick. I want to go kind of clinical on you. Don't, I don't want to lose you here. But I do want to get kind of clinical on you a little bit. Um, I don't know if you guys know this or not. But your brains are always being trained whether you know it or not. I don't know if you know it or not. Your brains are constantly growing and they're constantly being trained whether you know it or not. As a matter of fact, I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this. Your behavior choices directly affect the neurochemical balance in your brain. I know I sound really smart right now. My wife told me every bit of this. All right, I'm not going to try to claim this. I asked her if she wanted to come up here and she said, yeah, if you need me to. You guys know what that means. No, I just want to sit in the pew and listen. So I said, fine, that's good. So, but literally your brain your brain changes depending upon what choices and what thoughts that you have and that you make. Your brain can literally change as a result of your behavior choices. Let me give you an example, okay? I think we're all old enough in here to understand this. Pornography. Pornography. Pornography starts at something very simple, but over time, it needs more and more and more and more. And it never ends. I want you to get this. 
It never ends. And here's the scary part. Here's the scary part. If you don't get a handle on said pornography, it will change the chemistry of your brain. Therefore, affecting the relationships. Because listen, don't ever fool yourself. No one sins alone. Sin affects everybody around you. Even though right now you think that the sin you're committing right now is not really affecting anybody, it is. It changes the chemistry. And you need more and more and more. And you go down a path, path, path until it affects your relationships. If you're married, it affects your marriage. It affects your sexual relationships in your marriage. It does. It does. So here's the good news, though. And this is amazing. I want you to remember this, you guys. There was not a lot of research back in Jesus' day and in Paul's day when he wrote this, okay? Scientists were not really around a lot, okay? But I want you to see how relevant and how literally we are known inside and out by God from what, what Paul is getting ready to say. So we know that when we go down this path, we know that when we go down this path, our, literally our chemistry of our brain changes. Do you know how and how to fix that? Well, here's the good news. When you stop the cycle... When you stop the cycle cold turkey, when you stop, when you put parameters in place and you just stop doing it, guess what your brain does? It starts reverting back to whatever you're putting in it now. And it starts reverting back. And it starts healing itself. Or, to put it a better way, Romans 12 verse 2 says this. Do not copy the behavior and customs of this world. And here it is. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. How amazing is that? How amazing is that? That Paul, in his wisdom being Holy Spirit filled, said, if you want to not go with the customs and behaviors of this world, then what you have to do is, is you have to let God change you and change you and change the way you think. You need to be changed and transformed into a new person by changing the way you think, by changing what you focus on. That's what he said. And then 2,000 years later, here we are, and it's like, did you guys know that whatever you focus on that you go that direction and that sin has no bottom and the way that you get your mind renewed as you stop and you begin the process of healing that and changing the way you think. So we find out that our minds become unsound. We find out sin has no bottom. But here's where it gets really bad. We encourage others to do so. We want other people to join us. And that's what he's saying here. 
He's saying, we thought it foolish to acknowledge God. We abandoned them over their foolish thinking. He let them do things that shouldn't be done. Their life became full of wickedness and sin. They were backstabbers. And then it says they invent new ways of sinning. You know, there was no, I mean, you have to invent new ways when you're out of ways to sin. So you just start inventing new ways of sinning. And they refuse to understand. They disobey their parents. And it says, you know, listen, they know God's justice requires them to die if they do these things, but here they go. Worse yet, instead of stopping, you know what they do? They encourage other people to do it. And that's the process. That's the process that people go through. It isn't enough that they go down the wrong path, but they look for travel buddies. They look for travel buddies. Can I tell you guys something? It's often difficult to sin without a travel buddy. Think about it. It's difficult to sin without a travel buddy. Most of the time you need a travel buddy. When I was in student ministry, I told kids all the time, and I'll tell you guys now, right now, I'm going to tell you guys, you be careful who you hang out with. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. And I know that sounds petty and coy, but it's true. Hey, adults, you be careful who you hang out with too. You show me your friends and I'll show you your future. It's the same thing. It's the same exact thing. I witnessed something yesterday that I was kind of blown away by, and I didn't ask permission to share this, but I'm going to anyway. I went to a track meet yesterday morning that was way too early to get up on a Saturday. All right, just being honest with you. But I did. I went to, it was a, it was a cross-country meet, and people and kids were running. And I stood back and I watched. I like doing that sometimes, just observing everybody. And I watched and I observed people. And I saw a young man who gave everything he had. He poured everything everything his whole heart into this race and he came in a very 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 close second okay I'm not knocking the kid that came in first I was kind of pulling for the guy that came in second just being honest with you so I'm a little biased but the amazing thing is is I noticed that as kids came through and finished most of the kids were going around and getting with their little buddies and that's what happened with everyone everyone came through and they walked around and they got with their buddies, except for one kid. There was one kid who didn't do that. The kid that came in second. The kid that came in second, you know what he did? He came in second, he knelt down for a second, he got his breath and got back up and he stood there. And as every kid from his team and every other team, as every kid came through, he said, congratulations, great job, you're doing great, you're doing great. Every kid, and guess when he finished doing it? When everyone was finished. The last person came through and he said, great job, great job. And at that point, he left and he went and he got with his friends and his family. And I watched that from a distance. And I was impressed by that because it's important, it's important who you choose to be around. And Troy, standing, sitting right here on the front, raise your hand, everybody can know, that is that young man right there. How awesome is that? How awesome is that? I sent his mom and dad a message, and I said, I'll take that character over first place any day of the week. Because 15, 20, 30 years from now, that character is still going to be there. And that first place medal is going to be rusted somewhere, hanging in some closet somewhere. It's an amazing thing. The Bible has a lot to say about who we hang out with. 
1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 says this, and I'm going to Bible drill you a little bit. It says, don't be fooled by those saying such things because bad company corrupts good character. Listen, young people, listen, older people, everybody, bad company corrupts good character. Proverbs 12, 26 says this, the godly give good advice to their friends, but the wicked lead them astray. The wicked lead them astray. Let me give you a little advice about advice. Don't go seek advice from people that are your same age and are about the same level as you are. Okay, because what they're going to tell you is about what you'd be telling yourself. Okay, go get someone that's a little bit more wise. Go get someone that's a little more seasoned. Go get those people. I, I see these kids in high school like, well, why did you do that? Well, I talked to my friend about it and they thought it was a good idea. And I was like, your friend was an idiot too, man. You know what I mean? Come on. Go talk to someone who's older. Talk to, some, talk to a pastor. Talk to a teacher. Talk to your mom and dad. Proverbs 12 I'm sorry, Proverbs 22, verses 24 and 20. Verse 24 says, Don't befriend angry people or associate with hot tempered people, or you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. That's what it says. Proverbs 13, 20 says this It says, Walk with the wise and become wise. And I love this, and every, everybody needs to listen to this really closely. Associate with fools, and you're going to get in trouble. That sounds like something Bobby Williams told me in, in Waverly, Tennessee in about seventh grade. Son, you associate with fools, you're going to be a fool. He didn't say it in those words. He used some more colorful language. Okay, But it's the same point. It's the same exact point. What does it mean? What am I trying to say here? It means this. When someone is actually inviting other people to sin with them, it means that they have forgotten and they have embraced, fully embraced the sin. They fully embraced the lifestyle of sin. And that is what happens whenever God pulls off restraint. That's what happens. Not only are they away from God. Not only are they sinning. But they're trying to come other, have other people come and do the same thing. It's interesting, some of my favorite commercials was Gatorade, like Mike, if I could be like Mike. I want to be like Mike, like Mike, and he would drink Gatorade, right? Larry Bird and Michael Jordan did a commercial for McDonald's. And I'm not real sure how this all equated, but for some reason, if you eat a, a Big Mac, you can shoot basketball and be really good at it. I've never seen the correlation, but apparently it's true. Okay, Michael Jordan has shoes that are worth lots and lots of money. But the best commercial ever, ever in the history, no, it wasn't Wendy's Where's the Beef. It was better than that. It was 1979. Mean Joe Green threw his jersey. I'm getting like six people going, yeah, and everybody else is going, what is he even talking about? Just YouTube it. YouTube, Coca-Cola, Mean Joe Green, 1979. He took his jersey off and he says, here, kid. And he threw the kid. What, is, what are all these people saying? Here's what they're saying. If you want to be like me, you know, drink Coca-Cola. If you want to be like me, then I want you. They, they're a spokesperson for it. They're a spokesperson. That's what it's called. When we get to the point where God has taken his hand off, eventually... Realizing that sin has no bottle. 
we actually get to the point where we become spokespersons for sin. And that is a very dangerous place to be. Let's go back to, let's go back to the, uh, the theme verse, if we could do that for a second. The theme verse, let's go to the second, let's go to verse 17, Lynn. Thank you for being flexible today. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. In the weeks to come, we're going to see how that is true. That's what we're going to see. Be careful with who you associate with. Be careful with who you let speak into your life. Be careful those things that you are letting into your minds. Be careful those little bitty sins that start out small and get bigger. Be careful. And that is what I feel like God has led me to speak today. Let me pray for you. Lord God, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for who you are. Lord, I, I, I'm so thankful for your word. I'm so thankful for your word that guides and directs me. I'm so thankful for your word that is always true. It's true, God. It's the only thing in our lives that we can really plant our flag with. And we know that we know that we know that we have a firm foundation anchored in you. And so, God, I do pray that you would allow people to understand today, even today, those people that are here that may be caught in a sin, that may be, they may be having a struggle with the sin. God, my prayer is, is that they would turn to you and they would understand the good news that there's forgiveness the good news of who you are. God, I pray that we can be light to people that have literally lost their minds. I pray that we can be light to people that have literally, they, they continue to not find the bottom of sin. I pray that we can be light to people that have, have even encouraging other people to do the same thing. God, let us be people that love people, but that follow your word and love people enough to tell them your word. We love you in Jesus name. Amen. One of the cool things about the passage is, is that this was what happens when you have an unsound mind. And this is the chaos that occurs. But for most of us here today, we're not at that point yet. And there may be something that you're struggling with. And the key is, is you're struggling with it. Because some people hear a message like this and they're like, oh man, I got to do better. Well, listen, I'm not saying that God's going to ask you to dig a hole and give you a shovel and he's going to stand there. You're going to stand there without digging it. But I will tell you this. If you're struggling with a sin, you're struggling with it still. You haven't given in to it. You haven't given over to it. And today's the day that you can immediately start turning that thing around. Today. And I encourage you to do that. I really do. Let's stand up for our final worship song. This is one of my favorite songs that we do. Let's stand up and let's sing. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.